Sunday night, everybody. This is Angela Bowen, the host of Together We're Going to Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. How's everyone doing tonight? I hope you all had a nice weekend. Hopefully the snow didn't bother everybody too much. Well, today I'm going to be talking about the episode from season two. It's episode three entitled A Fair to Remember. After getting in trouble in class, Ricky sets out to win the 8th grade science fair with a little help from Kate, who is trying to prove a point to Edward. This episode aired on October 29th, 1983. This episode has a 7.7 out of 10 rating, based on 20 ratings on IMDb. It was directed, of course, by Jack Shea. And writers David W. Duclan, the creator, also Ron Levitt, the creator, Michael G. Moy, the creator, and Howard Leeds, the creator, Ben Starr, and Martin Cohen also created it. Uh, written by James R. Stein and also Bob Eilis. All right, let me see what we got here. I'm not seeing any connections, there's no trivia, but before I get into the episode, I do want to quickly talk about a book that I recently listened to on Audible, but that I want to highly recommend, and not just because it made me cry. I mean, if I hadn't been at my job, I would have been sobbing, but I, I did my best to keep my emotions in check at my job. And I will post this up on uh, the Instagram, Punky Power slash Silver Spoons uh, podcast pages on Instagram, also Facebook, and as well as the Punky Power slash Silver Spoons podcast Twitter account. This book is called Maxie's Secrets, or in parentheses, or What You Can Learn from a Dog. This book was written by Lynn, and I'm having a little trouble with the last name, Plur. P-L-O-U-R-D-E. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. And I'll read the description from Goodreads. When a big, lovable, does-it-her-way dog wiggles her way into the heart of a loudmouth pipsqueak of a boy, wonderful things happen that help him become a bigger, better person. Timony knows that moving to a new town just in time to start middle school when you are perfect bully bait is less than ideal. But he gets a great consolation prize in Maxie, a gentle giant of a dog who the family quickly discovers is deaf. Timony is determined to do all he can to help Maxie. After all, his parents didn't return him because he was a runt. But when the going gets tough, when the going gets rough for Timony, who spends a little too much time getting shoved into lockers at school, 
Maxie ends up being the one to help him, along with their neighbor, Abby, who doesn't let her blindness define her and bristles at Timony's poor me attitude. It turns out there's more to everyone than what's on the surface, whether it comes to Abby, Maxie, or even Timony himself. I just gotta say, I mean, this book is only like five hours long and I listened to it in an entire work shift. But this is an amazing book. I really, really enjoyed it. Maxie is actually short for Maxine. Um, Timony's father actually is into the ancestors uh, Ancestry.com website and discovering relatives that all have these names. And Timony's name is actually a combination of two different people. I think like Timothy and then like something else. Um, and Maxie's name is short for Maxine, who is, I think, like a great-great-aunt of Timony's father. But they move to a small country town outside of, um, I'm trying to remember where exactly, because they lived in the big city and then they moved to the country where Timony's father is actually just accepted a position as an assistant principal where Timony is going to be starting school. And the thing with Timony is he's like really, really short for his age and he gets picked on a lot and being at this new school is really no different. He makes friends with Abby, who is the next door neighbor who they, Timony and Abby end up meeting by Maxie kind of going into her yard. And Maxie, the duck, who's a great Pyrenees, actually, and I learned a thing is that there's like a percentage of white dogs that are born that can be born deaf. It's just a, and out of the litter of puppies that Timony, actually Maxie chooses Timony when he goes to pick up a puppy. And his parents are a little unsure, like, are you sure we have, like, two other ads that we want to check first? Are you sure this is the puppy that you want? And Timony said, yes, she chose me. I don't want to look anymore. So his school, Timony's school experience starting off does not go the greatest. It seems like almost every single day he is getting shoved into a locker by an unknown person. And... I've never been shoved into a locker, but when I was in sixth grade, there was this one guy who kept asking me and other people, like, here, I'm going to get my locker, shut the door. And even I said, I'm not doing that. So he ends up, like, some other kid in our class actually does shut the door for him when he's in the locker. Then they have to call, like, um, one of the custodians or somebody to open the locker. It's like, I remember that day in my mind. I'm like, I'm not going to forget this day that this happened, like, for as long as I live. That is a story that is always going to be in my mind. But, like I said, this is, and straight up, you're going to get a spoiler in the beginning of the book. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but... Timony is going to tell you right away on the first page, like the first line out of his mouth, what's going to happen. So that way, I'm not going to ruin it. I'm not going to say anything, but listen, definitely listen to this book. It, actually, it came out about almost 
two and a half years ago. And I just discovered, I had this on my wish list for quite a while. Well, actually, no, not quite a while. Probably about a few months. And the thing with me when it comes to audiobooks, I have to like the narrator. That's why I like the Audible. And guys, this is not sponsored by Audible at all. I just, I like that they give you a sample of who the narrator is. Because right away, if I don't like the narrator's voice, I am not giving that book a chance. I would rather read a physical book than, than put up with a really garbagey narrator that just, the voice doesn't really go great with the characters. I don't like the performance. It's all, when it comes to audiobooks, it's all about the performance that brings the story to life. So before I get officially into covering the Silver Spoons episode today, I always like to say welcome to new listeners. If you want to follow along with the podcast, you can do so at Facebook. Either uh, together we're going to find our way on unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. Or if you're a regular listener, if you've been following along with the Silver Spoons... I, I cannot talk. I don't know why. With the Punky Power um, unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. If you've been following along with that page since Punky Brewster, just keep doing what you're doing. Because now I'm, I'm doing uh, episode updates for Silver Spoons on there as well, so you don't gotta, you know, jump over to Silver Spoons. You can just stay, it's all the same information. Um, on Instagram, I have Silver Spoons Podcast and Punky Power PB Podcast. Both have the Silver Spoons information, upcoming episodes, and stuff like that on there, so. I noticed with, um, Season 2 and the farther, you know, I try to get the, the, screenshots for the episode. I try to, you know, search for them the best I can, but sometimes when I'm watching the episode, it's like, oh, I like that scene. I'll take a picture of it, and that'll be the screenshot for what'll go up on SoundCloud and Audible, or Audible. I gotta get away from that. Um, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and everything like that, so... But yeah, also, if you've been a regular listener for a while or you just started tuning in and you enjoyed the podcast, if you could go to iTunes and leave a rating and review, that would be awesome. Every rating and review the podcast gets really helps other Punky Power and Punky Brewster and Silver Spoons watchers and listeners out there get uh, familiar with the podcast and get it discovered out there, so... Alright, if you guys want to shoot me an email, you can do so at punkypowerpbpodcast at gmail.com or silverspoonspodcast at gmail.com. And I will put the um, the information in the description of the episode on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can also listen, you know, whether it's on iTunes uh, or SoundCloud or Podbean. There are many ways to listen to this podcast. I believe even Google Play, I guess you can search it there as well, so... All right, let's jump into this episode. So we come out of the intro, and Derek and Ricky are zipping up their book bags. They're right by the door, getting ready to go to science class. Derek suggests that they go early so they can throw spit wads at the ceiling above Dr. Bartlett's, their science teacher's desk. And then that way, when they dry out, they'll fall all over him. And Ricky brings up... They did that to another teacher, a female teacher, and 
the spitwad actually stayed in her hair all semester. Yeah, right. <laughs> so as per usual, we got Derek coming up with these crazy, crazy pranks. He's always trying to get in... Well, he doesn't have to try to get in trouble. He usually... He's trouble with a capital T, and he always loves dragging Ricky along. Because apparently in Derek's mind, it's no fun getting in trouble by yourself. Hey Rick, let's get to science class early and throw spit wads on the ceiling over Mr. Bartman's desk. We'll dry out and fall all over him. Hello. Remember we did that to Miss Wibbles? One of those things fell on her hair and stayed there the rest of the semester. <laughs> Somehow Mr. Barman will figure out I was involved. He's always on my case. That's because you don't know how to handle a bark bag. I do. <laughs> sure. You suck up to him. <laughs> Derek Taylor sucks up to no man. <laughs> Why? Top of the morning, Mr. Stratton, sir. Kudos to you on those elegant yet perfect for everyday wear pants. So, Ricky does not want to get into any trouble. Currently, apparently this guy, teacher, Mr. Bartlett, or Bartman, <laughs> um, is always on Ricky's case. He doesn't understand why, and Ricky... Derek tells Ricky, like, hey, you just need to know how to work the guy over. The guy, I have no problem with him whatsoever. And of course, as he refers to the teacher as Mr. Barfbag. <laughs> and Ricky's like, well, Derek, you just suck up to him. That's why he likes you. And Derek, of course, like, hey, Derek Taylor sucks up to no man. As Edward comes down the stairs, Ricky's already out the door. Derek turns and says, oh, well, Mr. Stratton, I love those khakis you're wearing. They compliment the rest of you. <laughs> As Ricky reaches a hand inside the doorway, grabs Derek by the back of the jacket collar and yanks him back. Like, let's go. I gotta say, um, Derek was wearing, like, this white and burgundy-colored striped shirt that matches his burgundy-colored jacket, which I thought was kind of cool. And Edward's just, he's getting ready, he's got his hand on the door ready to close it, and he just kind of shakes his head, like, oh, that kid, that Derek, that Derek, always a brown noser. So just as Edward shuts the front door, Kate comes out of the office like, Hello, Edward. Good morning, Edward. Sit down, Edward. I have something amazing that I have to tell you. As Edward sits down and she tells him that she just got off the phone with a Herbert Hobecker. What a name. And she is so excited to tell Edward what he's invented, this Herbert guy. And as soon as she tries to get the words out of her mouth, Edward beats her to the punch, and it's a home entertainment argon laser light projector with a built-in oscillator. I don't know what in the world that is, but clearly it sounds kind of cool. But Edward apparently has heard the spiel before because he knows exactly what this guy... This guy must call him up on a regular basis like, Hey, I still have that thing I invented. Do you want to check it out? Like, clearly not. Otherwise, he would have invested in it years ago. And Kate just looks at him like, how did you do that? 
And Edward kind of lets Kate know, like, well, this, he calls him Herbie. This guy's been after me for months trying to get me to invest in this thing. And Edward just doesn't want to invest in it because he's in the toy business. This home entertainment something or other. Wouldn't it, it wouldn't be so necessarily bad to, like, maybe branch out a little? I mean, still do toys as your main priority. But maybe branch out to entertainment things because toys... Kids grow out of those eventually. Why not also appeal to teenagers? So Kate's got this great idea. Just think about it, Edward. You know, they're already using lasers in entertainment and stuff. And she's really trying to get him to see, like, the big picture. Like, by investing in this guy's product, you'll be jumping on the laser bandwagon. So I'm going to play this clip. Oh, morning, Edward. Sit down, Edward. I need to talk to you. Morning, Kate. Okay, Kate. I'm all ears. <laughs> I just got off the phone with a Mr. Herbert Hobecker, and I can't wait to tell you what he's invented. It's a home, home... entertainment argon laser light projector with a built-in oscillator. <laughs> How'd you do that? Oh, Kate, Herbie Hobecker's been bugging me about that thing for months. I told him I'm in the toy business. Well, I agree with you, Edward. It's not a toy. But think about this. Now, they're already using lasers for entertainment at rock concerts and laserians. Now, my idea is that we develop this projector for use at smaller events like weddings, bar mitzvahs, gala occasions of all descriptions. Kate, they already invented something for use at gala occasions of all description. It's called the accordion. <laughs> Edward. <laughs> Kate, all right, look. Laser light shows are produced by a lot of extremely sophisticated, very expensive, high-tech equipment, right? Now, how's Herbie Hobecker's little gizmo possibly going to duplicate that effect? I'll get back to you on that. Kate, there's no market for it. Oh, yeah? Well, it's a good thing Jeffrey Catruzola didn't listen to the doubters and the skeptics. Who is Jeffrey Catruzola? Who is Jeffrey Catruzel? Only the man who invented the duck bone. <laughs> so Kate is really trying to see the big picture, how this laser light thing could be used at bar mitzvahs and weddings and galas. And Edward did bring up a good point that I didn't even think of was the fact that this little gizmo that this Herbie guy has invented, how is that going to be any different than what people, geniuses, that have built these very elaborate, expensive, you know, laser light contraptions. I mean, yeah, really. I mean, these things have already been in, in, invented. What is this guy's little doohickey going to be? How is it going to top that? Like, how is that any different than what's already been invented. Of course, Kate is at a loss for words. She's like, oh, I'll get back to you. But then she comes back with if, um, the guy... Hold on, what the hell is this? Jeffrey Catruzla? <laughs> and Kate says, well, if this guy hadn't listened to the skeptics... And, and Edward has no idea who this guy is. And I don't even know, but apparently he invented the duck phone, which is sitting on the desk. Wasn't that duck phone in the office? 
I swear, yeah, that duck phone. Maybe they got two duck phones. Because I remember in a previous episode where Grom Grandfather Stratton was on the, the duck phone in, in the library. I like how it seems that Edward and Kate can, even though they are in a relationship, they still manage to keep their business relationship, you know, that she's working for him, they still manage to keep things professional. We have not gotten a classroom scene with Ricky since the whole Hobart, um, what's-his-face from season one, um, me and Mr. T episode. That's the last time I think we've seen a classroom episode. The teacher asks a question, who can tell me the atomic weight of zinc? And none of the kids are even looking in that man. Freddy is actually turned in his chair and is like staring off set off screen at either the wall or something. No one is even remotely interested in answering this question. Ricky looks like he's doodling on his paper and just what have you. But of course, the teacher picks Ricky because Ricky mentioned how the guy is always, the teacher's always on his case. Um, since when do you have to stand up to answer a question? I never did. <laughs> is this how they did it back in 1983? I was only one at the time. I don't know. So, Ricky, the jokester here, is like, oh, that depends. Is it a porcelain zinc or a stainless steel zinc? Oh, he must be like, sink, gotcha. Yeah, He's trying to make everyone laugh, which they chuckle. Like, oh, that's cute. But the teacher stands up. He's not amused. He is a classic white lab coat, blue-gray-white uh, circle bow tie. Just classic nerdish-looking chem teacher or science teacher or whatever. Of course, as the teacher goes to stand up, Ricky stops laughing. He's like, uh, yeah, this isn't good. Does this guy have an out for Ricky? He's like, I would like to know the answer, Mr. Stratton. Like, just, what is your deal, man? Do you have a beef with his father or something? What's your deal? Did you try to invent something that Edward turned down and now you're taking it out on his son? So Ricky's like, oh, well, I, I didn't actually get a chance to memorize the exact weight. As he sits down, uh, the teacher calls on Derek, and Derek stands up as the teacher asks, can you tell me the exact weight of zinc? And Derek turns his body to face the clock, which is like one or two minutes to three o'clock. Like, he's just counting down the pure seconds to three, and he's buying his time. He's like, oh, uh, yeah, I can tell you the answer to that. He's going to draw this out. He's going to draw this out. Taylor. Sir. Can you answer the question? I, I, I can, and, and will. <laughs> But first, I'd like to sit. See you tomorrow. Sit, sit, sit. The bell doesn't dismiss you. I do. Tonight, in 
instead of reading the usual one chapter of the amazing world of science, you will read three. Oh, it's not and, and tomorrow, <laughs> there will be a quiz. Mr. Barman, that seems like an awful lot to do. I mean, none of our other teachers give us this much work. Yeah. Well, maybe other teachers think this is a daycare center and let you get away without studying. But not Harry Singleton Barkman, science instructor. <laughs> you children are at a critical point. The study habits you develop now will remain with you for the rest of your academic life. And if I don't instill those habits in you now, then I am not worthy to wear this lab coat. <laughs> You are dismissed. Except for you, Stratton. Stay. <laughs> so, of course, Derek's like, yeah, I can answer that question, and I will answer that question. Boop, there goes the bell. Like, all right, goodbye. And, of course, I've probably had a teacher that as soon as the bell rings, we're all up, ready to get out that door. And the teacher was like, sit down. The bell does not dismiss you. I do. So that Yeah, it's like, seriously. I mean, it, it sucks, but it's like, as soon as that kids wait on that bell, hear that and want to get the heck out of class. But of course, yeah, I've had teachers that have said, you need to stay. I did not dismiss you yet. And this guy's like, all right, normally I have you do a chapter, but for your homework tonight, you will have three chapters to read and a quiz tomorrow. And the kids are all like, what? Come on. And then they also bring up the fact that, oh, I think, yeah, Ricky says, well, none of the other teachers give us this much homework. And the guy's like, well, I'm trying to instill in you the study habits that will take you forth from junior high to high school through college, and if I can't do that, then I'm not worthy of wearing this lab coat. Like, oh my gosh. This guy, you know, the kids are all sitting down, he dismisses somebody, he's like, Stratton, you stay, the rest of you go. Of course, Derek has to smirk at Ricky, like, <laughs> you're in for it. This guy's got a vendetta! What is his deal with this kid? What did you do, Ricky? I don't think he did anything. Maybe he made a little wisecrack about the, the, the zinc porcelain, you know, stainless steel, but that isn't anything. Of course, uh, the teacher reminds the kids before they run out the door about their science projects being due, so I'm going to play this clip. You are dismissed. Except for you, Stratton. Stay. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget, your projects for the science fair are due one week from tonight. You can impress your parents by winning the coveted Bartman Einstein Award. <laughs> Take this note home to your father. Let him read it. Bring it back to me tomorrow with his signature. You're a bright boy, Stratton, but you're sadly lacking in the department department. <laughs> if you don't mend your ways, you're going to be suspended. 
Excuse me. Suspended is a bit much. So, Ricky approaches the teacher's desk as the teacher is furiously scribbling on a legal pad. We don't see what it says. He just rips it off, folds it, puts it in an envelope, tells Ricky to have him give it to his father, sign it, bring it back to him, and tells Ricky that he's a smart boy. He really needs to start applying himself. And if he doesn't, he's going to be suspended. Suspended! Suspended! Are you kidding me? You don't suspend a kid because he's not cutting it in class? I don't care if this is 1983. Teachers didn't do that. This guy's, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh, this man, this Bartman, Bartman. What is your deal? Just tell Ricky to shape up or you're giving him an F. You don't need to suspend him. Now we go back to uh, the Stratton house. Edward is playing golf. Where's that golf ball gonna go? It's just gonna run alongside because he's right next to the little railroad tracks for the train. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, this is gonna be a new thing that he invented because he hits it and then it, the ball goes only so far but then you see it's being pulled back on a string. Oh, that is clever! So, that could be a cute little thing for little kids who want to learn how to golf, who don't want to have to go and run and grab the ball, just to, just press a thing on the golf um, club handle thing. Boom, comes right back to you. I thought that thing on the floor was, maybe that goes with it. What is that thing on the floor? I thought that was something that would catch the ball. So, Edward's kind of standing there getting ready to set up another golf shot. Testing out his new invention. And Ricky comes up to him. And Edward kind of looks, hey, son, how was school? And Ricky just looks really down in the dumps, like, oh, uh, school? And Edward just kind of immediately looks at him like, yeah, you know that big building you go to every day that's got kids in it? That, that place? And Ricky is like, well, it definitely wasn't one of my better days. Aww. So, Edward kind of says, well, you know, they can't all be good days. You know, I had a few crummy days myself. Like, this time I had to give a book report. My zipper was broken. They they both have a good laugh at that. Like, well, this wasn't one of those days. <laughs> Edward brings up another time in chorus rehearsal where his voice changed. Like, oh my gosh. I'm going to play this clip. And <laughs> Ricky's like, yeah, or that time that your teacher sent you home with a note from your fa for your father. <laughs> and they both laugh at that. Like, yeah, it's like, ha, 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 oh, 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 really? Okay. Now it's time to be serious. Hi, son. How was school? School? <laughs> Yeah, you know that big building with all the kids? <laughs> well, it, uh, wasn't one of my best days, Dad. Well, it can't all be great days, son. Heck, I remember several crummy days when I was in school. Like the day I <laughs> had to stand up and give a book report. My zipper was broken. <laughs> or the day I was in chorus rehearsal and my voice changed. <laughs> Then when your teacher would send you home with a note to your father? <laughs> Hand it over. 
about horror about the t the time that your teacher sent you home with a note to your father, and they left for a split second, and Edward holds out his hand like hand it over, like no more joking aside. And Ricky goes pulls the envelope out as Edward goes to take it, and. Uh, Ricky is still, like, holding on to it, and Edward has to kind of you know, yank it out of his hand as Ricky sits down, waiting to, uh, get disciplined, or yelled at. Dear Mr. Stratton, this is to inform you that your son's conduct in my class is belligerent, uncooperative, and disruptive. He's a rug cleaner, and the other students follow his lemons. Dad, that's ringleader. And the other kids follow my lead. If his conduct doesn't improve, I will be forced to ask for his suspension. Warmest personal regards, Harry S. Barton. Rick, what happened? Dad, Mr. Bartman picks on me. Now, I doubt very much that he picks on you. I have a hunch that he's just disappointed that you don't live up to your potential. You know what? Never mind. Rick, I know you're upset. I've been through this myself. Really? Yeah. He was my woodshop teacher. His name was Mr. Doctor. <laughs> Boy, was he tough. And he always used to seem to pick on me. Stratton, that's no way to hold a jigsaw. <laughs> Quit the grain, Stratton. Quit the grain. Sandpaper? <laughs> I resented him very, very much at first. But then I finally began to realize that Mr. Doctor plain loved woodworking. It was important to him. He had sap in his veins. <laughs> That's the way Mr. Bartman is. Only with him, it's science. He's got a bumper sticker that says, I break for Nobel Prize winners. <laughs> you see, now, a teacher like that, he wants you to get as enthusiastic about his subject as he is. So what I did is I decided to earn Mr. Doctor's respect. And when it came time for us woodshoppers to do our special projects, I cut and I chiseled <laughs> and I sanded. <laughs> and I shellacked. And I shellacked. And then I shellacked. And when the sawdust cleared, Mr. Doctor put his arm around me and he said, Stratton, that's the best looking birdhouse that ever housed a bird. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying, Dad. See, we have a science fair coming up, and I'm going to make a project that's going to win first prize. 
It's going to be the most fantastic, unbelievable, incredible science project anyone's ever seen. That's a spirit, son. What's it going to be? I don't know. <laughs> so this Mr. Bartman's letter just goes on to say how Ricky is just being disrespectful in class. He's disruptive. He's not, you know, focusing on, on the work and everything and how the kids kind of follow suit with him. Like, he's one that gets the kids all riled up when he makes a joke. Anyway, and the fact that he says, if your son continues this behavior in my class, I will be forced to suspend him, which Edward doesn't even, like, say, well, wow, that's a... <laughs> Suspend? That guy doesn't have the power to suspend a student. Teachers don't have that power. That's a principal. You can get detention. Suspension is, like, farther out. Suspended is something you get for a lot worse stuff. No, give him detention. So Ever kind of goes on to talk about his woodshop teacher who is always on him because Ricky says, Mr. Bartman picks on me and singles me out. And Edward's like, yeah, I had a teacher like that in Woodshop. What do you say, Mr. Doctor? <laughs> and Mr. Doctor would just be on Edward's case all the time. Like, hey, you're not doing this properly. You're not handling this machine in the right way. And eventually, Edward kind of thought that this guy just wants me to enjoy woodworking like he does. And... Edward set out to make the best, apparently it's a birdhouse, you know, he cut, he sanded, he shellacked, and the teacher put his arm around him and said, hey, that's the best dang birdhouse ever, house a bird. And the whole time, Edward is, like, imitating this guy, this Mr. Doctor woodshop teacher. He's making this weird, that face from the last episode with the frog. With a frog face and the lazy eyes and the big old like stretched out mouth and it's just weird. It's just, eh, it's a bit much here. <laughs> I mean, for the frog thing, sure, but that mm, no. So Edward just tells Rick, it's like this teacher just wants you to get excited about science, like he is, and and enthused about it. It's like. You can be into science or you can't be. But then, again, it's like you have to put forth the effort. Otherwise, you're not going to get the grade. You don't have to love science like this guy. That's not required. But you at least have to put the work into it. So, Ricky's like, gee, Dad, you know what? I'm going to make... We have a science fair coming up. I'm going to make the best dang science fair project ever. And I'm going to win first prize. I just watched an episode of The Simpsons, seen that a hundred thousand times, Duffless, where, you know, Homer ends up uh, getting a ticket and losing his license for drunk driving. But anyway, the side plot to that is Lisa has this big giant tomato. She wants to win first prize at the science fair. And the episode kind of teases, like, Bart winning first prize in a dream that he has, but Lisa's kind of like a... Uh, whispering that into his ear so that kind of influences his dream but anyway bart um throws the tomato onto principal skinner sploshes all over him this giant tomato that is probably at least 20 plus pounds or 10 to 15 pounds anyway scrap that idea lisa decides get a hamster 
and I'm going to conduct this experiment to see if the hamster is smarter than my brother. She runs a few trials, one with a cupcake that's attached to a battery that can give an electric shock. And Bart, of course, just keeps, like, touching it, like, ah, now there's something wrong, and he keeps, he gets, keeps getting shocked. The hamster, however, touches the little pellet thing once, gets a shock, and backs away, freaked out, doesn't touch it again. And she's conducting <laughs> these experiments. Bart finds out, of course, whoops, I shouldn't have put my foot there, and, um, they're at the science fair. Lisa's all ready to, uh, do her thing, and Marge, of course, finds out that, um, I don't like this idea of you using, uh, your brother involved in a ex science experiment with your hamster. Bart kind of discovers the little notebook she's been keeping, and he does something really, really cute with the hamster. He puts it in a little toy airplane, um, one of those robot, um, motorized airplanes. Goggles, the little aviator cap, the scarf, and everyone is just like, aww, because he's proving, trying to see if a hamster can fly an airplane. And of course, he wins first prize. But anyway, I just thought that was, that was just kind of cute. The fact that Lisa was kind of messing with Bart's dream, only to have it kind of be thrown in her face at the end of the episode. So Edward's like, oh, that a boy, son, that's great. What are you going to do for your project? And Ricky's voice cracks. He's, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Eighth grade science fair. Oh, this is kind of cool. It's a di diagram, well, it's a fake cow with all the in insides, like, showing its intestines, its liver, its heart, other working areas of its body. And then it's got, like, a rubber glove thing underneath for the udders, and it's got, I'm guessing that's milk in a bowl underneath, and we got, I'm guessing this might be the teacher who's kind of, uh, grading this project. So, Ricky wants to thank Kate, who's there, that she came up really, with a really great science experiment. I bet she took that guy, Her Herbie, his light laser idea, and put it in for Ricky's uh, science experiment, because she was all about that, and Edward kind of dismissed it, like, no, it's not a great idea. But I bet that's what's under that cloth. I bet. Uh, Ricky walks off and Kate kind of whispers to Edward, like, Edward, I can't wait to see your face when that cloth comes off. When you see what that science project is. And I wouldn't be surprised if he already has an inkling as to what that could be. Of course, Edward's like, well, I'm here now. And I brought my face as he takes his index fingers and, like, uh, puts them up near his mouth. Like, he. <laughs> Oh my goodness, are we meeting Derek Taylor's mother? We've never seen any of his parents so far. <laughs> oh my goodness, I am playing this clip. I gotta thank you, Kate. You've come up with the best idea for a science project anyone's ever had. <laughs> Edward, I can't wait to see your face when you find out what it is. <clears throat> well, I'm here now, and I brought my face. <laughs> oh, Mother, look who's here. Well, Mr. and Mrs. Stratton. 
not married. Kelfo Pa! <laughs> We're all rooting for you, dear. <laughs> Thank you, Corinne. <laughs> Derek, is your dad coming tonight? Ah, uh, no, he's working late at the office. Isn't he a salesman for pure pulp paper products? He's vice president of sales. Internacional. That's right. I think Derek told me that he'd won the Golden Ream Award. Yes, it's a shame John couldn't be here tonight. After all, Derek is his raison d'être. Derek, Mr. Barman's back to judge your science project. It's showtime. Excuse me, Mommy dearest. <laughs> Our little joke. So Derek introduces his mother, who likes to speak in these uh, little French sayings. I don't know what they are. And she right away goes up to like, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Stratton. And of course, Kate is like, they kind of look like, uh, we're, and Kate even says like, we're, we're not married. And Derek's mother, whose name is, I think, Corinne, says, oh, we're all rooting for you, dear. She whispers to Kate like, oh, great. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry that, uh, Mr. Um, Derek's father, Mr. Taylor, can't be here. And Derek's like, oh, well, yeah, he's working late at the office. And Kate's like, well, doesn't he work for the paper company? And, of course, Corinne corrects her, saying, oh, he's the vice president. And then Edward brings up the Golden Ream Award that he won and everything like that. So, ugh, she is as fake as Derek is fake. How many times does that guy work late at the office? You know that he was caught in that motel room with a, a girlfriend. Remember that popcorn episode that um, Ricky said he sold the last bags to Derek's dad at, at a hotel room? He bought them all because he didn't want to get caught by his wife. <laughs> yeah, Kate is not Mrs. Stratton yet, but she will be at the end, towards the end of season three. So that's something to look forward to. But now they're going to judge Derek Taylor's science project. Oh my gosh, I can only imagine what this is. That guy, is he wearing a different bow tie? Because he's wearing like a three-piece suit that science teacher Mr. Bartman is. So real quick, I was thinking about this while I was uh, working yesterday about this episode. And thinking back to the teacher kind of getting on Ricky's case and just thinking that maybe he's the type of teacher that sees a kid that has a lot of potential, but instead of using that potential, they prefer to be a class clown. Not that he technically is a class clown, because he's really not. That's more Derek's speed. But that's kind of why Ricky wanted to go to a public school, because if you went to a private school, it all would be about him being someone who comes from money because his father has money and everything like that. And he just wanted to be an ordinary kid. And in a way, he doesn't want to be known for his smarts and everything. He wants to fit in. He wants to be one of the guys, just an ordinary kid. And But at least, you know, Edward was trying to explain to him, it's like you could do something really, really great here. And that's what... I think the uh, the admiration like that 
Edward's teacher eventually had for Edward after Edward put on that hard work to make that birdhouse, I think that that kind of dawned on Ricky, like, yeah, you know, we have the science fair coming up, and I'm going to do one of the greatest things. I'm going to get first prize, and yeah. And clearly, Derek's mother is just, this is my shining star, my baby boy. He is his father's. She says that in French, and I can only assume that it means, like, his pride and joy, or he's a chip off the old block, just like his dad or something like that. Like, they put all their hopes and dreams and everything into Derek, and maybe Derek just doesn't seem to measure up, or... Derek's got a really weird relationship with his... He calls his mother Mommy Dearest, and then his mother kind of looks back at Kate and Edward like, oh, that's just a thing that we do. That's just his little pet name. Like, no, there's something behind that curtain that she's not revealing. My guess is, Derek, I, I'm not going to say he comes from a broken home, but, I mean, his dad, you, you've heard it in other episodes, his dad is clearly fooling around on his mom. And his mom probably is taking that out on Derek. We don't see it here. She puts up a great facade that everything's perfect, but it's clearly not. Alright, I'm going to play this clip. Let's find out what Derek has done. I'm interested. I know that he's a class clown, but he must have rigged up something cool. Because that's just Derek Taylor. You know, whatever he does, it's going to be crazy. quite a while. Ricky and Edward know as well. So the only one that has no idea is Derek's mom. So Derek's little project, The Miracle of Electronic Eavesdropping. Derek created a listening device that could be as small as a cufflink, placed it on his father's clothes, and he's like, here, let's listen in as we hear Derek's father renting a room 
as apparently this is a usual thing, and his mother is just... Well, she ain't happy about it, that's for sure. She's like, oh, revoir! Yeah, she's gonna do damage control. Well, this probably is why it leads to Derek and his mom moving to St. Louis. Like, oh, boy. This kid just clearly... Derek's acting out. His parents are not in a good place. They probably haven't been for a while. But I kind of figured with Derek, it was something crazy. And he clearly, he did that to get at his mom. He, well, and his father is like, okay, mom, you need to know the truth about what dad's up to. And I'm going to let everyone else know because Ricky... Uh, the science teacher and Kate and Edward are all huddled around this display that Derek has set up. So, all right, let's see Ricky's. I want to see, we better see it too, because Kate made such a big deal to Edward. It's like, I want to prove to you that this guy's got a good idea. You've been kind of schluffing him off. Like, no, I'm not interested. But I hope we get to actually see this laser light show. I think it's going to be really awesome. Mr. Stratton, it's your turn to dance a lot. Here goes, Kate. Just luck. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mr. Bartman, check this out. <laughs> this is his class. The Holbecker Stratton computerized laser system. As you may know, the laser is a device that amplifies focused light waves and concentrates them into narrow, very intense beams called lasers. I've connected my computer to this laser projector, and I have programmed the images which you're about to see. I've also connected a smoke device so that you can see the laser beams better. Shall we begin? Take the lights. So, Ricky's presentation is really cool, especially for 1983. I mean, with all the advances in, you know, laser projection and everything like that, it's definitely come a long way. But this has got to be pretty cool for 1983. And Ricky actually is set up, as you heard in the clip, he's set up his computer to this uh, laser projector thing, and he put... He at least gives the guy credit who came up with the idea, you know, Mr. H hyphen Stratton Productions or whatever you want to call it. And I love, like, the mu the the techno music that's kind of being pumped out along, you know, with it. It just looks kind of like semi-space ages ish a little bit and then of course he added uh, a smoke filter thing so you can see the lasers better and I just it's it's cool I just kind of wonder you know I mean there's no real flashing lights really too much and I just kind of think you know how movie theaters I think it was Incredibles 2 that had a warning like that are flashing lights like just letting people know like who suffer from seizures or stuff like that just to be aware, I kind of wonder if the projections that he's shown, it's almost like 
uh, stencilized, like, a little glow marker in the dark that's being projected on the screen. It's, and, you know, the, these things just spin around, and it's really cool, but I just kind of wonder if that is something that could also be seizure-inducing as well. And I cut the clip off where I did, because a lot of it is, it's just visual. You're just hearing that weird techno music that's kind of being pumped out underneath the images. Well, definitely Ricky does get an applause, so that's awesome. So Ricky actually goes up and he's, uh, yeah, he's standing up where uh, the colors are being displayed and everything. It's like, hey, look at me, I'm standing in front of it, yeah. You know, it's just swirling mass that makes me think of, like, the Weather Channel men, where you see, like, the swirling mass of, like, snow or uh, accumulating oncoming snowstorms. You see developing in a swirling tornado-ish type pattern. It's just, it's kind of cool. So the lights pop back on, and the smoke kind of is still hovering a bit in the air because they needed that to properly display the lasers so you can really see them better in the dark. And everyone in the room is applauding. They're all just absolutely floored at this presentation. I can't see how this boy does not win first prize because that was utterly hands above every other presentation that we've seen. spectacular science display I've ever seen. It's always nice to hear an objective opinion. <laughs> Attention, please. Before I announce the winner, I would like us all to reflect for one moment on where we would be without science. <laughs> now, this year's winner young boy a person of color did win thank you timmy thank you you did great buddy that man's got a vendetta against stratton because even edward comes up and like well you know in my mind i mean even though he's my son i think he definitely deserves first prize and the moment that the, mr botman or bartman or whatever turns to edward and says well, it's always good to have an objective opinion. And at first, before he even said that, I'm like, okay, Ricky's going to win. He's got to win. That guy's got it. He's got it out for him. It's like you said that you wanted this kid to show his potential. He's doing that. He did it. Yeah, you give it to the cow organ display. Which, fine, I guess, but... I'm sure Edward's going to see this as... Well, Edward was really impressed. I mean, I bet he's going to give that that um, Herbert guy who's been calling him up about the laser display, I bet he's going to take him up on his offer and help him uh, launch this thing. But I bet Edward's going to say, you know, son, you were right. That guy's clearly got it out for you. <laughs> My laser lost a model of a cow's digestive system. 
when he was robbed. Well, that rubber glove doesn't look anything like an udder. <laughs> Come on, son. <laughs> Mr. Bartman, my son worked his tail off on that display. Now, you may not consider this an objective opinion, but I think it beats the pants off a clay cow. <laughs> Richard, your project was quite impressive. It showed hard work, initiative, and creativity. You will get an A-plus for your work. I will? Well, that's great! But then how come I didn't win the uh, Carpenter Einstein Bartman Award? Uh, that's Bartman Einstein. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid your project exceeded the allowable price limit of $100. Excuse me? Well, you never told me that there was a price limit. Yes, I did. I guess you weren't listening. People, we have cake and cookies here. They're made entirely out of algae. goes over and he's like I know you may think this is an as an objective opinion but my son worked his butt off well he says tail but even still so I don't see why I mean that goes far above this clay cow with the digestive system even Kate's like that rubber glove does not look like an udder it doesn't but apparently, and the guy, I think that he just threw this out there because he just does not look like Ricky at all. Like, I'll give you an A-plus for your work. But you didn't really go by the guideline of there was a $100 limit ceiling that you could not hit as far as your project. Could not exceed that. And yours did. And Ricky's like, well, you didn't say that and he's like yes i did you just weren't listening I, dude you invented that up just the second go ask any of those other kids did that man say that no no he did not you were a liar sir oh oh i mean yes ricky's getting an a plus i guess that's something why don't they have second and third prize that stinks so the guy offers people cookies that are made entirely from algae as Freddie and Derek bite into them just as he says that they drop the cookie, they all rush out of the room. Like, this is gross. What is wrong with you? And he's like, oh, they're very healthy. Go away, science teacher. Go away. You are a weird man. You, you, ugh. Ugh. Sounds like me. I am. <laughs> You're right, Dad. 
Okay, this was a this was kind of a weak send off here. I mean, Ricky's very angry. It's everyone leaves. It's just him and Edward, and Ricky is venting at full volume here. As he's like, I stayed up half the night writing these codes to connect this computer to this laser light display machine and everything. And this and this and this and, this and Edward finds like, son, do you hear yourself? At first, I thought he was gonna like chastise him or something like. You sound like a raving something. No. He's like, do you hear yourself? And Ricky's like, well, it's kind of hard to talk and listen to myself at the same time. No. He's like, see? You're doing exactly what the teacher wanted. You are loving science. You're enjoying what you're doing. And Ricky's surprised. Like, yeah, I did. Wow, Dad, I do love science. <sighs> I gotta say... They've had better father-son talks. I know there's probably only a few seconds left of the episode, but... My overall rating for this episode, guys, this is gonna be low. I really... I hope for more for the, from this episode. At least we got to see the laser light show, but it just... I'm gonna say that Last week's episode, the Attack of the Giant Frog People, was better in comparison. There just seemed to be a bit more to it. Whereas this one really just felt sorely lacking. So I'm just giving it a 2 out of 5. Usually my 3 out of 5 is like average. But yeah, this is a, a on the low bar. Um, The two things I liked about it. I liked that Ricky and or Kate helped Ricky put together the light show to kind of prove to Edward that this is something worth maybe looking into. And I like that. I mean, Ricky didn't win, but he did get an A plus and he just is, you know, him voicing how he worked so hard and just didn't get rewarded for it. Um, I did not care for Derek's mom, so I'm knocking off one there. Um, I didn't really, I mean, it was funny. It was, for comedic purposes, Derek's little eavesdropping thing, that was cute, but, mm. um, that teacher, that teacher is a big reason as to why, it's like, he's got it out for Ricky, I hope we don't see that teacher again, because he really got on my nerves, I don't like him. I think my silver spoonful for this episode is just gonna be, pay attention in class, I know it stinks. You learn stuff. Sometimes if you're too busy making jokes, you miss out on stuff. Like the fact that Ricky had a $100 uh, ceiling that he had to uh, meet. And he exceeded it greatly. And that cost him first prize. So if he had stayed under $100, he would have won? Not with that teacher. No. And I gotta say something else I was thinking about. When I was looking at Derek's mom, you know what she kind of reminded me of? A smidge, like a small, small percentile? Judith Light from Who's the Boss. It's not her. But um, I want to see if we actually see... Because we heard his father, but I doubt we ever meet him. And if that guy on the, on the uh, eavesdropping machine is supposed to be Derek's father, he sounds like a real weenie. <laughs> okay, so... Fern Fitz Fitzgerald plays Corinne Taylor. 
Let's see here. Does she? Oh, she was in a few things. Um, she was in an episode of Seinfeld as Mrs. Wilkie. What episode was that? The Abstinence. All right. Um, I just see. Oh, she was in Who's the Bosses? Dr. Isabel Schaefer. Okay. Oh, she. Oh, is she in another? She's in another episode. Oh, okay, so she is in the episode where Derek ends up moving. Okay, so we do get her again. Do we get his father in this episode? Nope. Nope, we never see his dad. Okay. How about that teacher? I wonder if we ever see him again. Let's see. Let's see. Mr. Oh, apparently um, Freddy's parents were there, but they didn't have lines. Uh, Dwayne and Dorothea Lippincottleman, played by Bob Gorman and Gail Todd. Uh, Robert, Robert Lucier, played Mr. Bartman. Let's see what he's been in. I don't think we see this man again. Uh, the last thing he acted in is in 2001 Heist. Is he dead? No, he's still alive. Alright, he was born in 34. He's gonna be getting up there in age. All right, let's see. Mr. Oh, he's in Three's Company. Um, He's just in one episode. Good. I don't want to see that man again. I really don't. I don't like him. He's annoying and a real jerk. All right. So let's talk about... So this one was, you know, like I said, it was an okay episode. Um, We are in for a whammy of an episode next week. Season 2, episode 4, entitled The Hospital. Edward, Kate, and Ricky are all set for a picnic until ever... Until Edward suffers from a sudden gallstone attack, which lands him in the hospital. When an infection sets in, Ricky and Kate become even more concerned. I don't like this, especially with my dad being in the hospital right now with pneumonia. He's been in the hospital a week now, and we're just, we need to get him, get that the medication actually working for him so he can get out of the hospital and go home. And it's just been, I, I saw him Saturday, and... They actually, I tried to call yesterday, and, um, they had to move him to another room. Um, the hospital was having issues with, like, the phones. Because I kept calling, like, his hospital room number, and it's like, he just kept ringing. I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? So I'm, like, trying to call Pam, and can't get a hold of her, and I have to call my Aunt Debbie. I'm like, what's going on? I tried to call the hospital and stuff like that, and no one's answering, and she let me know what's going on. I guess uh, the hospital interferes with people's cell phones. But anyway, um, let's say hey to some podcast listeners. We have St. Louis, Missouri. We have Acton, A-C-T-O-N, Canada, Reno, Nevada. Um... I'm guessing this is the Republic of Korea, B-U-C-H-E-O-N, Roseburg, Oregon, Farmington, Missouri, Gainesville, Florida, McFarland, Wisconsin, Los Angeles, California, Forest, Virginia, Altadena, California, Miami, Florida, Blairstown, New Jersey, May New Melden, United Kingdom, Staten Island, New York, Brazil, Malone, New York, Roseville, California, Houston, Texas, Yakima, Washington, 
Grants Pass, Oregon, and of course, St. Nicholas de Port, France. All right, everyone. Thank you again for listening. I also want to thank all of you that have been keeping my dad and your, your prayers. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, I keep praying every day. He, he tells me just, just keep praying and everything as much as you can. So thank you again, everybody. And I will be back next week with a new episode. Bye-bye.